Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, my fine friends. Welcome to episode four of season eight of the Tom Petty Project podcast. I'm your host, Kevin Brown. This is the weekly podcast that digs into the entire Tom Petty catalogue song by song, album by album, and includes conversations with musicians, fans, and people connected with Tom along the way. Uh, some quick social media stuff before we dig in. I posted the poll to see how everyone would rate um, last week's track, uh, Love is a Long Road, on both Facebook and Twitter, uh, and I've aggregated the results, and here they are. Uh, 44% of you gave Love is a Long Road a maximum 10 out of 10. 52% said that it was 7 to 9 out of 10, and 4% of you, and I know who you are, uh, said that this one was 1 to 6 out of 10. Come on, really? Um, on Facebook, Bob Reedy commented, I think it has more of a feel of a jet taking off. I think he's referring there to the, the motorbike um, uh, reference that Mike Campbell mentioned. Uh, if it was played at a faster speed like a Judas Priest song, then it really would. But that wouldn't have sounded as good and wouldn't have suited Tom vocally. And I quite like the jet taking off analogy, and the song definitely has plenty of power. I also think it's another song where the tempo is absolutely spot on and really important. It would sound very weird if it was ramped up faster. Uh, Carol Rosenberg Shapiro says, Mike said he had a bike, but sold it before he got killed on it. It's fair enough. As I said in the episode, you'd never get me anywhere near a motorcycle. There's a good reason why surgeons affectionately refer to motorcyclists simply as donors. Um, Paul Roberts commented, uh, they famously have motorbikes in the You Got Lucky video, and that seemed to work, and they all look cool, in a post-apocalyptic Mad Max sort of way. And he's dead right. But, dear Paul, that's just a character. Um, you know, I'd be more than willing to ride a motorbike 50 yards on a closed lot. I mean, how much trouble could I really get into in that scenario? Paul goes on to very kindly say, Top episode, Kev. Must admit that whilst this is my favourite TP album, I've never really listened to the drums. Went back to it last night, and the Keltner-Rudd connection is spot on. Cheers, Paul. Um, as much as we both love Stan Lynch, he wasn't always a pocket drummer, and that's exactly what the song and really this whole album needed. And my pal Pete Nestor from the Honest and Unmerciful podcast says, Great breakdown. Thanks, Pete. I love the comparison to Won't Get Fooled Again, which I hadn't recognised before, but which totally fits. Dynamics abound in both songs. Also, I thought it was interesting that you brought up A Woman in Love, because I was actually thinking Love is a Long Road has the feel of that song, but 10 years later, with a much more anthemic, arena rock, late 80s feel. And he goes on to say that uh, it definitely feels much more heartbreaker than many of the tracks on this album. Those glorious thundering and immaculate drums. Long live Buster Sidebury. And you know what, Pete? Couldn't agree more. And I think that observation that this is arguably the most heartbreakers-ish track on Full Moon Fever is a really, really good one. Right now, as I'm writing this, I'm struggling to think of a, one that's more heartbreakers. I think you're probably right. And that's most likely a combination of it being a, a Mike Campbell riff and, you know, as you'd mentioned, Jeff Lynne not being around in the early stages of its writing and development which, you know, led to a little more of that Campbell petty vibe than uh, most of the other songs on the album. Uh, over on Twitter, and I'm not calling it X, by the way, screw that, Will Porteous uh, over at Wildflower Records tweeted, I played this in my petty cover band, and even after going through it a hundred times in practice, I always marveled at it. The accenting, the drive, the vibe, the arrangement, it's Lynn perfection. The beauty of the songs on this album is that, although they're arranged really quite intricately, at their heart, they're all fairly simple songs, really, that most amateur bands can pick up and at least have a go at. You know, it's that wonderful accessibility that Tom was able to lend to a lot of his music. Mary Beth Donnelly says, Thanks for the poll. Glad to weigh in. Hey, glad you weighed in, Mary. Or Mary Beth, sorry. I was surprised at your rating, so respectfully cast my vote as a 10. I love the anticipation built up in this song's intro and love to sing along with it, especially the alliterative and staccato Save My Soul. You know, and I've talked about Tom's supreme intentionality as a lyricist lots on this podcast. I think even in that episode. Um, so it's always nice when other people latch onto similar things. I'll give the last word to Dallas Helica, 
who commented on Facebook, it's a 10 for me. I can't find a single thing wrong with it. It flat out rocks. It's even better live. And I struggled a lot with that. I don't, you know, I don't think I'd change a note in this song either. Is there anything missing? No. Is it right at that very top table for me? As I said on the episode, also no. So maybe I should have said a nine. I don't know. And it's going to get tougher to be tougher from this point on in the catalogue. So as much as anything, I'm trying to make sure that the standouts really, really do stand out. Thanks to everyone who commented again this week, folks. It's always cool to hear your thoughts, especially from people who saw Tom live. I always like those comments that this song was absolutely cooking live. Today's episode covers the fourth track from Full Moon Fever, the melancholic A Face in the Crowd. So if you're new to the podcast, I don't actually use any of the music from the song in the episode itself out of respect for the estate and also to avoid copyright issues and, you know, things getting taken down on YouTube and Spotify, etc. So if you're not familiar with the song, there's a link in the episode notes. Go give it a listen and then we can start. In conversations with Tom Petty, when Paul Zolo asks Tom about a face in the crowd, Tom relays a wonderful little anecdote about a Mexican flight attendant who came over to him on a flight and, using almost all his English, said, Oh yes, Tom Petty, a face in the crowd, a face in the crowd. It was very difficult for me not to try and do a Mexican accent there, but you know what? It would have ended up inappropriate, so I didn't go for it. Um, He goes on to tell Paul, I do like that song. I think it's a really sweet song, a nice sentiment. Very simple, extremely simple. It's not complex in any way. One thing I always find interesting in reading Paul's book is the way that Tom often seems to be looking at his own work from the outside. The book came out in 2005, and in the preceding decade, Tom had only played this song six times, so you can see why some of these tracks, you know, you'd have to go back to to think about. But I also sometimes get the sense that, like a lot of artists, Tom doesn't know exactly where the inspiration or the, the words or melodies come from, so he can look back at a piece that he wrote, you know, years and years ago that maybe he hasn't heard for a while and grow a new appreciation for it almost as a third party, you know, looking at it with an objective eye rather than being right in the middle of it. And the song was played 27 times in 2008, so maybe this conversation with Paul got Tom thinking about the song again. Who knows? Uh, Facing the Crowd was released as the fourth single from Full Moon Fever and was the last to chart, reaching number 46 on the Billboard Hot 100, but climbing all the way to number five on the rock chart. Released in February of 1990, it was Tom's first single of the new decade and had a mind with a heart of its own as its B-side. The cover of the single is one of my favourite photos of Tom from this era. It shows him in a black shirt and denim jacket, quite long, you know, long shirt, long jacket, with a hat and sunglasses and a wonderful warm grin, backdropped by the Pacific Ocean. Now, as Tom says, this is an incredibly simple song. It also continues to break away from the programmed drums. I'm fairly certain, let's say 95% certain, that there are no sequenced or digital drums on this one. Uh, And with the really bluesy feel that the guitars give to it, I think it would have been a little jarring to have an electronic hi-hat or kick, for example. The song kicks off with a little trebly guitar trill that echoes off into the suspended chord synth pad. I'm not sure how that sound was made exactly, but it, it almost sounds like the pick was sort of just dragged across the, the back of the, the strings, like the other side of the saddle of the guitar, which is the little raised piece the strings sit on before they're anchored to the bridge on the bottom end of the instrument. But I don't think it is that exactly, so I actually wonder if it's a, a palm-muted mandolin that's had some really heavy effects added to it. Whatever it is, it's a really lovely sound. And as these notes decay, the main riff begins. It's such a wonderfully lazy drawl musically that you can imagine Tom on a warm summer night, you know, right around dusk, driving in a soft top with the roof retracted and just cruising through Malibu to get back home maybe after a gig. 
it has a weariness to it that's not depressing or harsh, but just that satisfying tiredness you get after having accomplished something important. The chord progression in the first part of the verse chorus, and I'll talk about the song structure in this one a little bit later on, um, it's that simple alternation between E minor and C, strummed lightly on acoustic guitar. And over top of that, we have that beautifully simple broken chord that I'm going to assume is Mike Campbell playing. Um, it's an E minor sus4 added seventh with the root and the fifth taken out. <laughs> so it's actually, it's actually a D, and we'll talk about it again. We'll talk about it later. It's a, a D sus4, I think. And I think that broken chord, I think that might be played on a 12-string, you know. Because if you think about listen to a heart, that's definitely 12-string. So it kind of has... I don't know. It, it, it's got a it's got a sort of a, a tone to it that doesn't sound exactly like just single notes. So yeah. it's a really cool suspension that adds that slight restlessness to the song early on. This initial E minor C alternation forms the intro, and we get one beautiful dobro slide from Mike Campbell and the fantastic wash of a ride cymbal from Phil Jones. And if I remember rightly, I think I'd commented last week how the cymbals on Love Is a Long Road are mixed really quite low, and actually aren't prominent up to this point on the album as a whole, but here, that ride symbol plays a, a really important melodic part, and I think it's probably what makes me think of you know coastal California and that image of Tom on the sleeve of the single. It sounds like the surf dissipating on the beach, or just that last roll of, of the waves sort of coming onto the beach. It gives it a very specific feel to me, and it's another very Californian-sounding song. After this simple eight-bar intro, Tom brings in the vocals. It's a very laid-back, crooning vocal, and there isn't an overabundance of words in this song. It's all about the mood and the feel it generates. Before all of this ever went down, in another place, another town. And I love how he blends in and an together in another place, in another place. Like it, it's, it's, sort of, it's sort of soupy and all glued together. It just sounds really, really cool. And he also puts just a hint of vibrato on that word town, which is one of those little attention to detail things because he doesn't use it on down. So again, just those sort of top tier things that really, really, really good vocalists and really good musicians pay attention to. When we move to the you were just a face in the crowd line, we get that key change to D, A minor, D, A minor, and that broken chord comes back in. But now those same three notes, as I said, now they become that suspended D major chord, and they work just as effectively. Superb composition. And again, Tom, Mike, and Jeff showing complete restraint and trust in the economy of the bones of this song. We also hear some percussion at this point with what I suspect is a tuned wooden block of some sort with an absolute ton of reverb and delay added to it. And we also again get that beautiful splashy symbol added back in to give this section, you know, just that little bit more width. This section ends with a step up to B minor before coming back to A minor and then down to the root E minor on the out in the street, B minor, walking around, A minor, a face in the crowd, E minor. And we get another Mike Campbell slide up after street to just add a little flavor here. Another wonderful lyrical choice here too, out in the street rather than out on the street. Both work. Both mean the same thing, but on and in, they just sound slightly different melodically, and in feels more immersive, I'd say, than on does. You know, on sort of, it's away, it's, it's, it's over there, and in is here. You know, it's that sort of presence. It's a perfect little bit of wordsmithing, and I wonder if Tom ever actually noticed he'd done that. I sometimes think that words came so naturally to him that he just intuited those types of um, lyrical choices. We get another beautiful little Mike Campbell slide dobro lick, leading into the second verse, and more slide at the end of each bar, which ascends through those first four bars of the, of the verse. These slide phrases don't sound like they're played on the dobro, though. More likely, I would say, probably a Telecaster, or something, you know, a, a Fender, or something like that, with that wonderful mellow tone. So again, this is different to Let Me Up, I've Had Enough. 
even though the songs are possibly even simpler on this record in some ways, there's a lot of studio craft happening. I don't think that five people could play this song live exactly how it's recorded, and that's absolutely fine, but it's just to highlight that Jeff Lynne's way of creating albums is to really focus intently only on each song and to choose the exact right sound for every single note, you know, whether it's played live or punched in, no matter what instruments the guitars are played on or it's synthesized, you know, it helps create such a lush soundscape on this song for sure. I haven't mentioned the bass guitar at all on this one. And again, it's a very, very simple one, just playing double notes on the root throughout on that single kick. So rather than needing a double kick pattern, the bass adds that extra bottom end note instead. So again, just very simple, but very cool. You don't need a huge bass line in this song. Before we get to the solo, let's talk quickly about the structure of the song. And I've talked lots about the, you know, the A section, the B section, the C section. So, you know, verse, chorus, bridge. And I'm going to throw out an idea that might be musically inaccurate, but uh, I actually don't think this song has a chorus. I think it's just three straight verses. You were just a face in the crowd. That could be the chorus. It's the title line. But then what do you call out in the street, walking around a face in the crowd? Is that the chorus? Making you adjust that line? Is that part of the verse? Is it pre-chorus? So to me, this is it's borrowing slightly from the Roy Orbison school of ignoring convention and writing a song, you know, just as it comes, as it feels. And in this case, I think it's just a verse. Now, it's a verse in three parts, if you like, but I think just a verse nonetheless. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this. I really would, especially you musicians who are listening. How do you interpret this? Is it verse chorus? Is it verse pre-chorus chorus or is it just a verse? I don't know. Kicking off the solo section, we get that wonderful suspended synth pad that opened the song. So again, just a little bit of, you know, con continuity within the song. We also have some more synth all the way through this. Um, sort of like, it's almost like a reverse sweep or it's definitely a swept sort of synth sound with no attack on the initial note. And again, we get those symbols really adding to that balmy, warm Californian evening feel with the, the waves, waves crashing on the beach. Not exactly crashing though, really. They're lapping, right? We also get, finally on this record, the Heartbreaker trademark additional two bars lead out of the solo. So this middle section is 10 bars instead of eight. The solo itself is as languid and relaxed as the rest of the song. Mike is really just playing around the broken chords of the riff and not melting any faces. And look, folks, melted faces simply would not be appropriate for this song. Again, the tone is fantastic and it just fits the song perfectly. <laughs> Okay, folks, it's time for some petty trivia. Your question from last week was this. How many songs from Full Moon Fever appear in the top 10 list of live songs performed the most often? Is it A, 2, B, 3, C, 4, or D, 5? Well, the answer is... 3. And it's the big three you might expect. I Won't Back Down, Running Down a Dream and Free Fall In are the third, fourth, and fifth most played live songs in Tom's catalogue, with 645, 645, and 614 live performances each, according at least to setlist.fm. And now look, obviously, that platform is obviously not always 100% accurate, but proportionally, I think it's probably pretty darn close. The top 10 most played live songs are American Girl, Refugee, I Won't Back Down, Running Down a Dream, Free Fall In, Mary Jane's Last Dance, Listen to Her Heart, You Wreck Me, Don't Come Around Here No More, and Learning to Fly a pretty staggering set of songs by anyone's standards, and obviously only the tip of the iceberg. Your question for this week is this. 
How many albums did Tom have ranked in Rolling Stone's 2020 list of the 500 greatest albums of all time? Yes, I know Rolling Stone is a junk rag. But hey, look, if I get one trivia question out of them, then I'm okay with that. So how many of Tom's uh, records were in the Rolling Stone's 2020 list of 500 greatest albums of all time? Was it A, 1, B, 3, C, 0, or D, 4? Okay, back to the song. Um, after this last verse or verse chorus, or however you want to think of it, the song is basically over. Um, we do hear the addition of a very lightly played floor tom, I think that's what it is at least, with a ton of reverb added to it, to give a sort of, it's like a rumbling undercurrent. And maybe on this warm Malibu night, a thunderstorm's rolling in, and this is, these are the first peals of that that we hear way off in the distance. And this verse is a repeat of the last, and leads out into the outro where Tom simply repeats a face in the crowd uh, to start each four bars with Mike Campbell adding in that superbly mixed slide on the Dobro. And let's just sit for a second here, folks, to think about how unbelievably well this song is recorded. That guitar part really cuts through the lush textures of the rest of the instrumentation, but it doesn't blaze into the spotlight. It stands out really for how restrained and tastefully it's played, but how extraordinarily present the capture and mixing of it is. And don't forget who engineered most of this record. Mike Campbell. This song fades out, it's another song that fades out, and, and again, I think this is exactly the right end to this track. It leaves you wanting more. And again, there's no final resolution to the song. It still has that sort of suspended feel to it, is, is how it ends. Likewise, lyrically, there's a mysticism and an uncertainty here. The most literal interpretation of Tom's words are him looking out over an ocean of faces at one of his gigs and seeing a face in the crowd. The lines, out of the dream, out of the sky, into my heart, into my life, you know, the most obvious conclusion being that he's talking about a new lover or a partner coming into his life. But I think there's a second way you can read some of these lines if you want to. You were just a face in the crowd could also be referring to how small we can all feel from time to time. But an action or a moment in time can connect us with another human being in a meaningful way. And even if it doesn't become a relationship, even if it's that one fleeting moment of eye contact as you hold the door open from someone, or that sort of warm feeling you get when someone ahead of you at the drive-thru pays for your order without you knowing, it's that sort of, it's that human connection that we all crave. It's a song about human connection to me. And the fact that it's laid over top of this serene, unhurried piece of music makes that spark of connection stand out all the more. Okay, Pettyheads, that's it for this week. I love the huge songs from Full Moon Fever, and I think that I've been pretty solid in my ratings so far. This one's tough, though, because A Face in the Crowd is one of my very favorite Tom Petty deep cuts. Even though it was a single, I don't think a lot of people know this one, so I, that's why I always think of it as a deep cut. And you know what? You think about it, on classic rock radio, if you're hearing a song from Full Moon Fever, let's be honest, it's very, very rarely going to be this one. But there's a beauty to this song and an enigmatic quality to it that I've always been drawn to. I also think, as I said, that it's an absolute masterclass in how to arrange a song, and this attention to detail is what makes this whole album so incredible, and for me, what makes this song stand out as much as it does. Now, all that said, is it again on the very top table with the likes of Free Falling or Mary Jane's Last Dance or Wildflowers or Southern Accents? 
I do have to try to be as objective as I can. So I'm going to give a face in the crowd a 9 out of 10 instead of the 10 out of 10 that my heart tells me I should. The Tom Petty Project is a proud member of the Deep Dive Podcast Network. Go check them out on Twitter at Deep Dive Podnet. I'm sure you'll find something there you like. Um, again, I'll, I'll keep sharing links to other podcasts every now and again. Um, you can check out my other podcast, uh, Seaside Pod Review, a Queen podcast on the Deep Dive Podcast Network. And if you want to hear me talk about uh, Genesis with my friend Corey Morissette, that's going to be coming up soon. Uh, look out for a new podcast starting next week. Uh, I think the trailer for that will start on Tuesday. So check that one out. I'll post a link on the on socials for you. Uh, don't forget to follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at the Tom Petty Project and on Twitter at Tom Petty Project. Go follow, like, subscribe as applicable. And again, please leave a review or rating if you haven't done that already. Apparently, it helps uh, penetration. You know, Is that a good word to use? I don't know, but that's what we'll use. Me to penetrate the public consciousness, folks. Well, let's get Petty back into Vogue. Uh, keep talking to me on social media. Like I said, I'm enjoying sort of reading out some of your comments from, and responding to those. And always, if I don't get back to you quickly, I will get back to you eventually. Please keep talking to me. Uh, the Tom Petty Project is not affiliated with the Tom Petty Estate in any way. And when you're looking for Tom's music, please visit all the official channels. Amazon Music, Apple Music, Spotify. Go to YouTube. You can find the Tom Petty channel there. Um, if you're looking for merchandise, go to TomPetty.com. If you're looking for my merchandise, you go to TomPettyProject.com. i got a lot of cool stuff there. Or I think it's cool. Uh, don't forget to check out Tom Petty Nation and Tom Petty Fans Forever groups on Facebook. If you're not already a member, uh, they're great fan communities. And there's lots of really, really cool people there who uh, you'll probably end up becoming friends with. So until we meet again next week, keep listening to and sharing Tom's music. Try to be kind. Try to say I love you to someone at least once a day. Stay safe and healthy, and I'll be back with you next week to talk about the last track from Side 1 of Full Moon Fever, the epic tour de force that is Running Down a Dream. Bye-bye. <laughs>